You're listening to Soul School with Laura Coe and Kevin Kaiser. On this show, we dive into life's biggest questions. Who are we? What are we here to do? And how can we fearlessly live as our truest, deepest selves? Soul School is the spiritual education you never received. So if you're ready, join us as we explore together. Soul School is in session. Welcome to this week's episode of The Soul School. I'm Laura Coe, your host with Kevin Kaiser, my co-host. Here we are. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. I'm glad we're uh, glad we're here to talk about deep, deep things today. Deep, very deep things. Well, we are. We're here to talk about the soul. And um, we were chatting a little bit before the show of like things on our mind. And one thing that we talk about frequently is this conversation of of the soul. Like, what is it, right? What if, what is this experience of being in the universal experience? What does it mean to be anything other than the physical realm? And it's arguably one of our favorite things to chat about. And so we wanted to share today a little bit with you guys around this topic of, I don't know, right? Like I was really itchy around the word because it gave me feelings of religion and religious structures and um, I don't know that um, talking about it without that context was something that I was open to. I, I didn't want to be spiritually woo-woo, and I definitely didn't grow up religious. So where's that middle ground? Um, so Kevin, like, how would you describe the soul to people who are interested in seeing it from a different vantage point? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's... I, I totally agree with you that like for most people, they really want to strip out all of the, especially the religious component of it, because there's a lot of baggage around that. Um, the way I think about it is the human being and like two aspects of one thing. Like, you know, so people talk about like the meat suit, right? They're the human equipment that the like their physical self as being the human. And then the being is the um, like the animating force. And, and so I think f- from my perspective, I like to think about it more like that, where the soul is more like the essential nature. It is the, the animating force, which is which is the way like all, lots of cultures have have defined it. You know, the Greeks, um, you know, the the Jewish culture, the Christian culture. Um, you know, 2000 years ago, they were, they were talking about well, like, what actually is the soul? What is the psyche? And it is like this um, invisible essence. It's almost like it, it really is kind of like energy without, you know, without being weird. It's just like, this is just the nature of, of the life force that, that empowers the, the human life, the human self. So, and that's how I, that's how I tend to think of it. Like if somebody asked me, well, what is a soul? It's just the animating force, uh, the, the essential nature of your, of yourself. So like, I think the, a really simple way, an ex, an experiential thing that I think every, everybody or most people have really encountered is like a few years ago, my grandfather died. I went to the funeral and went up to the casket and I just had this, this deep, deep feeling of 
whoever and whatever my grandpa really was, was not what was in that casket. Mm. Like what was in the casket felt like a shell, almost like a glove in the hand that moved, like was at one point inside the glove, moving the glove was just not there anymore. Like he almost felt like a stranger to me. Like I was looking at this body going, oh, that's not him. That's you know, right. so it's that it's like the human, the body in the casket being right. Like the, the animating force, the hand that was in the body. Yeah. Right. Cause we talk this way. We say the moment somebody dies, oh, Kevin's gone. Not to say you're yeah. dying, but Kevin's gone. Right. And what do we mean by that? Because the moment that you died, nothing has quite decayed yet. There's nothing actually different. It's the energy that creates the aliveness within you is no longer mm -hmm. available. And we say Kevin's gone though. We literally say the entire thing, even though all of your physical form is still here, right? So yeah. I think we intuitively know that the energy, the essence, whatever it is that we say makes me feel a certain way about the person when they walk in a room, right? Or there's mm -hmm. a through line about their personality that we feel over uh, from from birth to death, right? There's something, there's a common thread, no matter how much you change, it's like there's something, right? Um, so if that's true, then where is it? If it's not physical, where does it sit? Oh yeah. Oh, that's the question, right? Um, and this is what people have been talking about for thousands of years. One of my, okay. So where is it? It is nowhere and it is everywhere. Um, I think is, is the best way to describe it. I mean, you can't point to it at all. I mean, not really. Um, I mean, one of my favorite things these days is all of the non-dual, the non-duality tradition, you know, all of their perspectives on like, what is, what actually is being, what is existence, what is reality? And it's unseen. Um, like the, the fundamental nature of our self, our soul is it's everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Um, I mean, I think this is the great mystery. This is one of those things that you really, the mind can't really figure it out because we try to figure it out within the confines of language. And I think ultimately what we're talking about is something that you cannot, you can't describe really. You can kind of talk about what it's like, what it's not like, but you really can't experience it. I think yeah. most people you know, it's kind of like the ocean. You can't fully know the ocean, right? Like every inch of it, you can't be intimately acquainted with it, but you can have the experience of swimming in the ocean mm. and you're, you're experiencing the ocean. I think it's the same with our soul nature is that you can't fully, like you can't grab onto it, but you can experience it. Uh, you can know it. And, yeah. and I think, you know, for people that are very like cerebral, like I've been all my life. They're like, well, but, you know, that's super unsatisfying. It's like, but yeah, but that's the way it is. Right. It's unsatisfying because we have our senses and we have our visual sense in particular in our minds. And we want things to fit into this. And this sense of self doesn't fit into the way that we perceive and categorize the world. And so it is inherently unsatisfying to 
our sensory experience, our intellectual experience, and then our understanding of how to know things. Because I'm always struck by how people, when they're talking about themselves, they're like, no, I feel this way. And they point to their chest, mm-hmm. right? They go, me, I, no, well, deep inside of myself, or I've been talking about authenticity for so long and authentic, right? Like, and people always grab their chest, right? They point somewhere. And I'm like, okay, if we go to a doctor's office, we have open heart surgery, they actually open up your entire chest cavity. There's no little Kevin in there. There's no like little tiny, like I am here. This is my true essence. It, there's nothing there. And so what are, what are we doing? We're, 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 I think we have a sense, we have, a, we have a feeling of ourself and it feels like it resides somewhere in this chest cavity, the heart center, right. Or the gut. And, and we kind of move our, our hands around that area to say self, um, right. But it's because <laughs> language and um, a perception doesn't get us the full answer. So it 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 is frustrating. It's frustrated me from, I mean, I'm 50, I'm turning 52. It, 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 it's driven me a little nuts most of my life, right? Like this kind of awe around it, but also irritation in that I just would like to, I have a glass of water sitting here. I'd like to touch this essence thing. I'd like to know it. Um, but I think you do know it in the sense that you you are in experience with each other, right? Like as a mother, I can say my son was born into the world and there was a sense of him that's remained true at 17, his physical forms changing, his interests change, but he's not like my nephew. He's not like my niece. He's like him. <laughs> and what do we right. mean by that? I don't know, right? Plato is always my favorite in that he talks about the the ness of things, right? Like you have a pen and it has the penness. It's um all pens share something in common until we get to pencils. Well, how do you know you move from pen to pencil? I don't know, there's something pencil-like about this and there's pen-like mm-hmm. about that. Or or my favorite is chairs to stools, right? <laughs> like how tall does it have to get to go from a chair to a stool, right? And it's something in the combination of factors and on the edges, it's a little blurry, right? It's hard to, yeah. sometimes we go, ah, it's like a stool chair. I don't know. Right. Or color sometimes. Um, but it's, it's the, it's the, um, it's the felt sense that does get you as close as you can to it, but it's unsatisfactory in, in a lot of ways. And, and so Kevin, if, if that's true, if that's how you feel, if that's your experience with it, then, um, what is something somebody can do to connect to this felt experience? The the, the ocean, right? That mm-hmm. you feel a part of the ocean, you swim in part of the ocean. Um, that is more cerebral. That that hasn't had the experience of it. it is, is there? Do you have a favorite technique or style to do that? Oh yeah, but, but it's super simple. It's not cerebral at all. Right. Although it is for cerebral people. Yeah. I think. Um, for me, okay, first of all, you have to understand that you cannot think your way there because there is no there there. Right. It's only here. And any experience you have is going to be here. The thing that that, that connects me the most is getting outside. And it's simply paying attention, like setting down the phone, like getting away from all of the stimulus, all of the things that the, my, my mind wants to grab onto and just let all of that stuff get really, really quiet. And then all I do 
is I, I realize or recognize that, oh, wow, I, I exist. And it's not really even a thought, but it's just like you said, in my chest, I, I feel it in my body. Like I exist. I'm here. I'm aware. And what's really interesting is I can watch thoughts come and go, but I don't come and go. You know, my feelings come and go, but like I don't come and go. And it's just like pausing long enough to recognize that, 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 that really simple awareness, that really simple sense that I'm here, that I exist. Like it's the same feeling I had yesterday or a week ago, or when I was five years old, right? Um, it really is that that simple. Mm. Um, that's the doorway. Yeah, And that's actually the doorway to peace, really. It's just recognizing that, you know, I mean, one of the metaphors, you know, you and I have talked a lot about is clouds appearing in the sky. And I know this is really familiar to a lot of people. Clouds come and go, but the sky doesn't go anywhere. The sky is just always there. Yeah. And it, that's us. Yeah. Yeah. And so if the soul is everywhere and nowhere, right. And the blue sky mm -hmm. is sort of endless and vast, but the clouds keep moving. Right. It's like that, but that's the part where you kind of have to shrug and go, I know that's not satisfactory in a way because people want to know themselves. Yeah. Right. People want to know themselves and they want to know themselves fundamentally, in my opinion, because they want to be happier, freer, more at peace, experience more joy, um, feel a sense of purpose and fulfillment. Right. And so, yeah, if, totally. Yeah. So, if that's because that's what, what I would ask is why do you, why people who feel like, oh, that's not satisfactory, I want more for what reason? Right. And, and I think mm -hmm. it's because if I, if I could connect further into my authentic nature, my true soul self, perhaps I could figure out who I am and what I want and why I'm here mm. and then feel happier. Right. Yeah. And so in those moments that you're talking about, don't you feel the best? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's because again, like all of the, all of the spiritual teachers, even not the not so spiritual teachers, like modern day psychology that talks about mindfulness and presence, you know, they all say that they, they all say the same thing mm -hmm. that like worrying about the future, regretting the past, like you, you're tearing yourself apart by trying to live in a future that hasn't happened yet or regretting a past that actually just exists in your mind, right? It's not really, you're not living in the past. You're, you're living, you're dragging the past into this moment. And, and so you're kind of missing, it becomes a, an adventure in missing the point. Your yeah. life does, you know, cause you're not fully present to yourself, which hasn't gone anywhere really. Um, and it, and that actually is happiness, you know, because I think that's what everybody's looking for anyway, in all of these like practices and spirituality and psychology and, um, you know, human optimization kind of hacks is I just want to be, I just want to be happy. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not happy. I don't know where I'm going, what I want to do. Nothing feels satis like satisfying. Um, it's because you're looking for, for all of that stuff to happen at some point in the future. Um, and, and I believe right here. Yeah. And I believe too, Kevin, that 
There's a myth that if I experience the freedom and the totality of the present moment, and I am able to extend that over and over and over throughout my days, I'm going to stop. And I experience that happiness, right? And that bliss of like being, because we've all had a moment of awe when we're present and we feel amazing or creative flow or something where we feel dropped mm-hmm. in. You you go for a walk or whatever it is that brings people a sense of joy or peace momentarily. But there's a there's a myth that if I stay here, so says our ego and brain, I will become unproductive. My life will fall apart. I will stop being part of culture or something, right? Like I'll, I'll start missing mm-hmm. schedules and I just become one of those people. And, and, and a lot of people, don't, some people want that, but a lot of people don't want that, right? To that, I would say that's just absolute nonsense, right? Like it's actually allows me to be more present and more productive because I'm not preoccupied. It doesn't mean I don't plan. It doesn't yeah. mean I don't schedule. It just means I don't spend, it's like a 5% of my time instead of a 95% preoccupation with past and future mm-hmm. and five minutes in presence, it's like 95% in presence plan when you need to think about the past. Cause it's helpful, but don't, don't just sort of sit and spin. Is that how you feel about it? Or how, how, what's your, what's your um, counterpoint to this myth of uh, productivity yeah. is about the grind forward and the you know process. Yeah. So uh, this has actually been my biggest area of struggle and my biggest area of growth mm. because we're so conditioned for um, the pursuit of happiness. Uh, and this starts really, really early, right? When we're kids, I mean, kids playing in the playground, they like, they're not worried about optimizing their time. Like when are they going to go to the swings, all that kind of stuff. Like they're just pure presence. And it's when the adults get to us and we start learning about productivity, right? Making something something of yourself, um, that things go haywire. Yeah. Like one thing I've learned is that most people, and this was me for most of my life, I would start with the mind, figuring stuff out as a means of finding happiness, and um, you know, you'll never you'll never get enough stuff to be happy. Your mind will use you. You'll get spun around versus like what you're talking about, which is I'm present. I'm happy. Like I am, like I am happy. I'm complete. Now, what do I want to create? Right? Like the one, the first is I, I need to create so that I can be happy, which is the modern way of life versus like, I'm happy and I'm totally free to create whatever I want. What do I want to do? Totally different energy. Right. So it's like, it's like the, uh, when the ocean flips, you know, the water flips or the magnetic poles flip, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Being present first. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, it's such a, all these things end up being sort of paradoxical and a little outside of language and a little hard to think about. And then, you know, you're confronted with these societal norms because it's like, well, kids can do that because they don't have responsibilities, but then I have bills to pay. And it's like, I get it. I was that I I lived that Mm -hmm. it's just unnecessary to spend the quantity of time that we spend structuring and organizing around what we believe will happen in the future to avoid what happened in the past that we didn't get that we wanted or whatever it is that we think we want in the future to find the happiness that we don't currently Mm -hmm. have today. It's, an endless cycle and you wake up decades later in a midlife crisis 
which I had a little earlier because I started a company and kind of peaked a little faster, but it was like, this isn't it. This is not it, right? This is not it. I keep structuring and organizing towards a set of goals or needs that I perceive that I'm going to then fill myself into. Um, What I wish was taught and I wish I knew if I could whisper in my 20-year-old ear, right? It's like, Full presence allows me to perform at a more peak optimized way, right? Mm-hmm. Like I always yeah. think about the um the footballs, you know, all the all the sports. I'm not deep into sports, but um players get on the field and they are told to optimize their mindset in that moment, right? Like the coaches are like, come on. And they all get pumped up and they get out there and they're like, yes, you know, yeah. and then they move the ball one fucking yard forward <laughs> or if they don't and they fumble they still try to keep that mindset because if they don't it will not work right they figured that out in sports but we we don't believe that's true of our careers our lives we think i've just got to um keep worrying about what isn't here and that'll help me function more today and so out of this like endless abusive pattern against my self-worth <laughs> Right, like I will allow myself to be lovable and worthy when I achieve these things. It, it it's miserable, and it and it yeah. really um, you may have successes from that model, but it leads to this midlife crisis moment. Totally. Yeah. You know what the funny thing is? Is that we we all know it. We all know that it doesn't work. Um, I mean, you and I both know some very very successful people. Um, like, like people that if you, if you mention their names, people would know, and they're, they've gotten all of the things and they've pursued it. And then they've gotten to it. And you, and you ask them like, why did you pursue this? And really it was so that they could have like the sense of flow, the sense of freedom, the sense of being present into their life. So it's like, I'm going to run myself. I'm going to drive myself really hard so that I can get to that. And then they never get to that. That's right. Um, Because like I said, there's no there, there, right? The only way you, the only time you can ever be happy is right now. And uh, you don't have to wait until you like make money and then lose money. And then, you know, spend 30, 40 years chasing after something to realize, well, this doesn't work. Well, you knew that it doesn't work um, and it never does because it never can, right? It's like, it's impossible to get enough of something that almost works, you know, whether it's drugs or sex or um, <laughs> money, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we started with the soul. We moved our way through <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, to just kind of maybe summarize as we and today's episode, um, I think the, the beauty of life is the moments of awe, of creative flow, of the walk in the park, of whatever it is, like the moment with your puppy or a dear friend um, or a kid, these moments where you pause, you feel connected to yourself, mm-hmm. to nature, to the world, to whatever it is for you. And there's a feeling of totality right? In the singular moment, it's like, whoa, and there's an expansion and space and time disappear. And the moment becomes like, right, your brain, and your brain quiets, right? Moments of awe, the sunset, it's get quiet, right? Um, And so what is the soul in relation to that? It's like, you know, this energetic experience 
allows for the dropping into the true nature of who I am, right? That I am these, that I am this experience of awe in a sense. And, you know, I'm this unique expression of that awe, <laughs> right? right? So it's, yeah. yeah, like, I don't think it's enough to say there's oneness and totality, but, but kind of like there's all this snow that falls every winter here in Chicago, but every somehow every snowflake, which is incredible, every snowflake's unique, right? Um, and so we are each unique imprints over multiple lifetimes, in my opinion, um, that are wanting to be um, experienced through the physical form, right? This energy wants to, this unique imprint wants to breathe through the physical form in this lifetime for whatever reasons, right? I think for mm -hmm. lessons, but but ultimately, even if you're not interested in spirituality past a certain point, certainly that full expression, meaning the energy of you in the moment of all just drops fully, it's, it's always available. So how do you do that without a sunset, right? Is I think the game of life. How do you find right. that on a constant basis? Um, well, Kevin, any parting words as we end today's show? Yeah, you know, we we've all had those moments where we where we felt most ourselves, where things were just flowing, they were they were clicking, and we felt the most alive. I think that that like that is the experience of our true self, of our soul, and and so like finding ways to just reconnect with that is like, that's the quickest way, most reliable way to, uh, to peace and happiness. And it's that, so it's the simplest thing possible. Yep. Simple and yet so elusive. Thank you for joining today. Thank you, Kevin, for this beautiful conversation. It's always fun. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. And I really hope that you consider checking out the Little Soul School, littlesoul.school, where there's a community of people dedicated to soul growth, soul learning, and the Akashic energy, a space that holds all of our soul's histories, everything we've ever done in all of our lifetimes, because they're looking for a deeper connection to themselves, a place to experiment and play with spirituality in a non-judgmental, vulnerable, open community of people. No woo-woo, no fluff, just fun and connection. Come check it out, littlesoul.school.